Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, it's January 15th. And I wanted to let you know that the gyms are still pretty full. As you can see, people are working hard to get in shape. They're doing whatever they can to lose the Christmas gains and hone the tone. And wow, are they getting it done. Just look at them. Micah and I hit the rec center on uh, Friday afternoon, and it was very busy, but I don't want you to worry because just in a few weeks now, attendance in the gym will taper off, things will get back to normal, and there will still be room for you. You too can join the experts at your local gym. (laughs) Oh, the trials of getting healthy. Seriously. Getting in shape is hard work, isn't it? Can I get an amen? (laughs) But growing up, that is harder yet. Because when we start following Jesus, we quickly discover that Jesus is determined to grow us up. Yeah, it's true. He pours his grace into our lives. He joins us to the family of the Father. And then he starts addressing sin and pride in our lives. He starts healing wounds and hurts that we carry. He starts reframing our identity and our purpose. All so that we become healthier, stronger, vibrant, new creation, human images of God that we were created to be. And while I promise you there will be some epic gym fails along the way, we are promised growth. Because not only is Jesus a a, a master trainer and a healer, he is our primary example of what a human being looks like all grown up. Jesus is the one we look to as we're trying to figure out What does it mean to be a human being? We look to Jesus. What does it mean to be mature? We look to Jesus. What does it mean to live a full life? We look to Jesus. What does it mean to be healthy, to be vibrant, to be true? We look to Jesus. Now, when I was a young man and uh, pumping weights was all the rage, friends of mine would put up posters of their favorite bodybuilder. In the late 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger was definitely the man. Yeah. Yeah. It would inspire people as they worked out. So as we were pumping our puny arms, we were looking at Arnold, right? The ideal. 
Well, as followers of Jesus, we fix our eyes on our ideal. We fix our eyes on Jesus, our master. He's the definitive paradigm for our growth. And we're here right at the beginning of our master class in Luke. And Luke tells us, gives us a, a snapshot. He actually casts a vision for our growth by describing Jesus' growth. Right after Jesus' uh, long weekend all-nighter, uh, overnighter at the temple, you remember that, three days? Luke tells us that Jesus went home, was obedient to his parents, tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Luke 2.52. Luke identifies four areas of growth I'm going to grab a flip chart. I didn't want to put this out before, before I, I spoke because I didn't want to scare some of you away because you're like, oh my goodness, there's a flip chart on the stage. And then I untied my shoe. Let's just get this going. What are the four areas of growth? This is not, this is not a trick question. Tell me. First one? No, I mean, just literally the words. Wisdom. Yeah, I mean, I, when I said it wasn't a trick, I mean, it was not a trick. Wisdom. Oh, my goodness. Talk about stature. Come on. There we go. <laughs> stature. What else? Favor with God, with God, and Everyone. I'll just put people, favor with people. Wow, that's just indiscernible, but that's okay because we're not going to get there yet today. The truth is, I don't think we spend enough time just considering how was it exactly that Jesus grew up, as in grew. Uh, and so I want us to workshop this a little bit. How did Jesus grow? And because this is a really big topic, um, we're going to actually slow this way, way down. Uncharacteristic for me. We're going to slow it way down so we can dig into these four areas because we actually have a lot to implement. And as we are walking into this series as apprentices, we want to stop long enough, pause long enough, so that we can actually implement what we're learning, right? We want to work on this. This is a trial and error thing where we're learning and we're experimenting, and that's actually key to our growth. And so today, we're only going to dig into the first one. Wisdom. Jesus' growth in wisdom. And so, I'd love to hear from you. Shout it out. I'll repeat it for those who are joining us online or listening to us later. How did Jesus grow in wisdom? How did he do it? Tell me. What are your thoughts? Asking questions. All right. Asking questions. What else? Time in God's house. Knew the what? Knew the Torah, which is what? 
scriptures. Yep. What else? How did he grow in wisdom? Obedience to his parents. What else? Reverence for God. Only did you peek at my notes. <laughs> um, what else? How did he grow in wisdom? Prayer. Prayer. Thank you. Clear on his mission. From a pretty young age, actually, hey? Eh? Yeah, community. Thanks, Owen. It sure didn't happen in a vacuum. Yep. Went to the best teachers. Went to the best teachers. Anything else? How did he grow in wisdom? Trusted in God. He had parents that loved him. him. So I keep stepping on my shoes. These are. What is going on? There we go. Okay, we could add more, but let's just, 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 just take a look at that. It's a great question to ask. How did you grow Jesus? Like, what was that like? How did you grow in wisdom? Because Jesus didn't just sort of pop out fully versed. You know what I mean? We're told clearly by Luke here that he grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. How? Well, this captures it beautifully, so much about him. And let's dig into some of this. What does the Bible say about how wisdom grows? A good place to start is what Olin quoted from Proverbs. Proverbs 19.10, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Can you say that with me? The fear of the Lord is is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And this bears out in the life of Jesus. The primary way in which Jesus grew in wisdom was through his growing knowledge of the Father. And how did that take place? Through a deep immersion in the Holy Scriptures the Torah, the law, the writings, the prophets, the Psalms. Jesus was steeped in Israel's story of covenant. And he was constantly learning about it, hearing it, studying it, praying it, memorizing it, reciting it back and forth and hearing others recite it to him, seeking to understand the ways of God so that he could live those ways out in the world. As a faithful, covenant-keeping Israelite, Jesus and his whole family would have ate, drank, slept, worked, and rested on this living word of God. All true wisdom is connected to knowing God. In fact, our growth in wisdom is directly proportional to our growth 
in the knowledge of God. They are intimately connected. And it's not just that Jesus studied the Bible, you know, sat around. There, there he is again, sitting around with a dusty scroll in his hand, you know, for hours on end. Oh, Jesus doesn't do anything else but study. No. Yes, he spent a lot of time in the scriptures, undoubtedly. But this was the word of God that was being constantly applied to all of life. This is a lived out story. This is the guidebook for life itself, such that Jesus and his family were following the ways of God while they worked with their hands, while they interacted with neighbors, while they harvested food or dug trenches or walked to town or visited relatives. They were processing what God said in his word as they watched Roman soldiers march past, as they considered the corrupt state of the priesthood, of the temple, everything was going on there. As they looked for a way to encourage their children to hold fast to the promises of God, as they prayed and cried out for God's deliverance to come. And what's more, as we already mentioned, they engaged each other in this story. Jesus would have learned wisdom from his elders, his parents, obviously, but also other relatives and family members. We don't know how long Zechariah and Elizabeth lived after John the Baptist was born, but could you imagine Jesus having, you know, seven-year-old Jesus having quite a conversation with Zechariah over in the corner? My goodness, look at those two, right? I can imagine it. I mean, he was wowing people at the temple by 12. I'm sure he was having a pretty stimulating conversation by seven. But also local synagogue leaders, other men and women in the neighborhood, friends, They would have discussed the meaning of this story together as a community that's seeking to understand God's covenant and how they should be living faithful to it now. Because this story of God's covenant was not just scriptures that Jesus held in his hands, but rather the very lenses through which he saw the world around him, the very lenses through which he saw the Father and what the Father was doing and and what it meant to be part of the Father's work and kingdom, the way he would have understood in a growing sense his own identity and what he needed to do. This is the primary way that Jesus grew in wisdom by taking in his Father's story and then living according to his Father's word every day. And we see this on full display, right? When Jesus starts teaching, bam, at 30, and starts his teaching and healing ministry, it is on full display. This is a man who knows the story and knows his place in it and is calling all to follow him into what God is doing. But do you remember what we are? We already saw this working out, didn't we? It was already set in asking questions, seeking the best teachers. When 12-year-old Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem after his family left, where did they eventually find him? We know the answer. I quote, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. What does that tell us? Jesus at 12 was already steeped deep in the scriptures evidenced by his level of engagement in the story and with others. Jesus' growth in wisdom was directly connected to his growth in understanding his father's will and ways in the world. This is really provoking for us, isn't it? 
It provokes me profoundly. If this is how Jesus grew in wisdom, could we be getting some clues for our own wisdom growth too? So here's the practical question we need to ask ourselves. How can I imitate Jesus' growth in wisdom? How can I imitate Jesus' growth in wisdom? You might want to write that down. How can I imitate Jesus' growth in wisdom? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Anyone? Pray is a good answer. But immersion in Scripture, that's how we're going to learn it, right? Immersing ourselves in God's story. As we consider how Jesus grew in wisdom, Jesus immersed himself in God's story. He immersed himself in the Scriptures. If I'm going to grow in wisdom, I must also immerse myself in in the scriptures too. Like Jesus, our growth in wisdom is directly proportional to our growing knowledge of God. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Coming to hear and understand who God is, reverencing him with awe, lifting up our hearts in worship to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praising him for who he is and what he has done, and then getting on with living the way he's called us to live, this is what gets us growing in wisdom. This is how we begin maturing and developing, actually becoming the new creation people of God that he has created us to be. And there's no shortcut for this. This doesn't just magically happen. It is only through a deep immersion in the story of Scripture that we come to understand God's ways. This is where he revealed it. There's no other pathway that yields true wisdom. Wisdom, our general commonly understood, it's a good, it's a good definition. It's kind of truth applied to life, right? But wisdom isn't just general truth applied to life. True wisdom goes further than that. True wisdom, biblically understood, is that we learn the truth of who God is and what he's doing in such a way that our minds are renewed by that truth, our character is transformed by that truth, and we live increasingly aligned to the ways, will, and wisdom of God. That's a long definition. I encourage you to write it down. I'm going to say it again. True wisdom understood biblically, is that we learn the truth of who God is and what he is doing in such a way that our minds are renewed by that truth and our character is transformed by that truth and we live increasingly aligned to the ways, will, and wisdom of God. In short, wisdom is a life aligned with God's will. Dallas Willard, when he was reflecting on this fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, trying to wrestle through what that means, he said this. I'm going to just frighten you a little bit with this quote. Okay, here it is from Dallas Willard from his book, Renovation of the Heart. One begins to get smart when he or she fears being crosswise of God. Fear of not doing what he wants and not being what he requires. Fear is the anticipation 
of harm. The intelligent person recognizes that his or her well-being lies in being in harmony with God and what God is doing in the kingdom. God is not mean, but he is dangerous. See, the foolish person rejects God's ways, says, I don't want to follow you, and I'm going to live the way I want to live, and they ultimately pay the price here and now and later. True wisdom is a life that is aligned with God's will and ways. When we see that God has set out the course of life and we recognize that if we don't walk in that, we will suffer. And because of the fear of God, we realize, oh, God has set out a course of life for us. I want to align myself with his ways. That's true wisdom. And everything, everything, everything else flows from that. In a New Testament letter that was written by Jesus' half-brother, James, we see how true wisdom hits the road of our lives. This is in James chapter 3. He asks the question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. When I read that, I think, well, I want to be a wise person. And in fact, I kind of want to be surrounded by wise people, don't you? Consider it. Not filled with envy, you know, full of mercy. Yeah, I want those people around me. And you know, what's interesting is we haven't even gotten yet to Jesus' growth in favor with all the people, but we can see that there's already a connection between growing wisdom and good relationships. And that's because God's wisdom is applied to our lives in a way that helps us live good, right, true, whole lives. So let's talk about basic implementation. What are we going to do? We're working with the theme of apprenticeship as we engage with Luke. Well, this is Apprenticeship 101. How do we start doing this? How do we act? Well, let's remember the facts. The facts are this. I cannot be wise without knowing God's ways. I cannot be wise without knowing God's ways. Here's another fact. I will not grow in wisdom like Jesus without growing in knowledge of God. I cannot and will not do it. This is basic to everything. And so as we think about implementing this, we'll keep coming back to our need to practice what we're learning. Even this time, even this morning, the time we're spending in Luke's gospel, that's part of it. As we take in this story and let Jesus rearrange our heart and mind so that we can apply it to wisdom and live it out, align our lives with the wisdom and the ways and the will of God, we will get wiser. That promise is made. It's as clear as day, and it'll have sweeping effects 
in our whole life. Let's just tease out a few of the sample areas. If we will immerse ourselves in Scripture, if we will let God's story become our story, in which we are living and breathing and thinking and praying and looking at the world through the lens of God's story, you will be a wiser parent. You will be a wiser grandparent. You will be a wiser caretaker of whoever is in your life. Wisdom will mark your character in how you engage the little ones, the growing ones, the adult ones who are in your life. And can I just say, how many of you, how many of you are, those of you who are still got kids under your roof, how many of you feel that there are days where you could use some wisdom? Anyone? Yeah. It's a real need. We feel it. Now, this isn't a quick fix. But I am telling you, if we will root ourselves in the ways of God, if we will let his story be our story, our very framework through which we see and engage and pray for and live into the lives of our kids, you will be a wiser parent. Brent and I did not plan on this overlap, but I hope you heard what Brendan said today about reading the Bible in front of your kids. What does that say? As a parent who has immersed themselves in Scripture, living your life in front of your kids, seeking to align yourself with God's ways, you will be a wiser parent, friends. And I know some of you have struggled on a daily level with how in the world do I keep these people alive and following Jesus? And I'm telling you, it is not a quick fix but you need to immerse yourself in God's story. You need to make it your living breath. You will also become wiser in suffering and in difficulty because how we respond to the difficulties in our life, personal, going on in our family lives, whether that's mental health or whether that's a particular tragedy or whether that's ongoing conflict, how you respond to suffering in your own body, how you respond to the things that are going on in the world will hang upon your understanding of what God is doing, of God's character. If we immerse ourselves in Scripture, we will find that our whole way of seeing, our worldview will begin to take on the worldview of Jesus Christ himself. And when we do that, how we see evil and suffering, how we respond to wrongs in this world, how we, how we understand injustice, how we respond to difficult, angry people, how, how, we, how we respond to things that are going on will be changed by this story. We will become wiser in suffering, wiser in our response to evil as we sink ourselves into this story. We live in a parallel universe now as new creations of God in old creation groaning. And as we do that, as we live in more alignment with God's will and wisdom and ways, we will be more equipped to respond to what's going on around us. Let me take another example. If you will steep yourself in the story of Scripture, if you will make it a commitment to read and study and pray and drink in God's will and ways through his word, you will become wiser financially. In a world where money is messed up, in a world where debt is increasing, where consumerism is king, if we sink ourselves in the story of God and let our minds be renewed through it and our character transformed by it, God's story will transform us into people of generosity, 
where financial wisdom, according to God's kingdom, begins to shape our way of being, our ways financially in the here and now. Our whole relationship with money will be transformed as we let God's kingdom values rearrange our mental furniture. And you will grow wiser financially. Now, did I say rich? I didn't say rich. He said wiser. Now, people that have constantly struggled with debt load and foolish spending, you probably will get richer, actually. If you start to evaluate your spending according to the word of God and begin to align your spending to that, guess what? You'll probably pay off debt. Your way of being financially will actually improve. But ultimately, as we understand the financial world of the kingdom of God, well, you might also be called to live in a way that makes you more broke. (laughs) Because your life will be aligned to the kingdom purposes of God. And he may want you to drain a few accounts too. And that will be wise. Because you're living in a different story. One more. If you sink yourself, if we sink ourselves into this story and let it shape our hearts and minds, we will become wise in the light of foolishness. The foolishness that are going on, that's going on, there are so many false ideas floating around about what it means to be human. What it means to be rich. What it means to be good what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be right. We are being constantly bombarded by foolish ideologies, and the only way that we can become truly wise when the winds are blowing stupid is by being fully grounded in God's word, letting his story shape our hearts and minds. We'll see that the fleshed-out life of Jesus makes a difference as we go forward, as we see how he engages the ideologies and foolishness of his time, and we're promised that as we let this word sink into our hearts and lives, that we will be able to stand wise and stand tall even when the cultural winds are blowing crosswise. These are just some of the implications. And we ask Jesus, we want to grow the way you grew. Help us to grow in wisdom because the alternative of that is a fool's end. And so how can we immerse ourselves in scripture? Where are we at for time? It's a good thing. I, I, I was going to do all four this week. Then I thought wisdom struck me. I thought, I'll just do the first two. And then yesterday on my long run, Lord said, are you joking me? I said, okay. Which means most of next week's sermon's already written, which makes me smile. But anyway, (laughs) so. But let's talk a little bit about this just for a moment. What are some of the ways we can immerse ourselves in the story of scripture. I think we should crowdsource this a little more. What are some ways that we can do this? So shout them out. What, what are some ways that we can immerse ourselves in scripture? Listen up, because some of you are wondering, how in the world do we do that? Other than just sitting down and reading. Good start, by the way. How do you immerse yourselves in scripture? Audio Bible. Audio Bible. Memory. What else? Shout it out. 
Say that again. Community reading. About to get together with friends to read. A habit of what? Whatever it is. Like whatever engagement. Yeah. What else? Music. Music. Excellent. Uh, who is it? Canny, I think, sent me a... Is it Bishop Hooper? Uh, if you Google that, you'll find it. But they, this is this, this young couple that have committed all the Psalms to song. Wow, it's pretty awesome stuff. Um, anyway, what else? The Bible Project. Yeah, if you've never heard, I'm sure you have, but if you've never heard of the Bible Project, dig into their stuff with Tim Mackey. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Tenille, I hope, doesn't mind. Uh, she, she's doing, using a Bible Project for her daily reading where there's really cool videos and then readings that go with it. Terrific. What else? Okay, sharing a Bible verse with somebody. Um, that's great. And so uh, sharing with a friend, that's good. Okay, so, uh, yeah, how would I, it's, yeah, like-minded community, particularly around, around Scripture, right, where there's a commitment to, to immersing yourself in Scripture. What else? How else might you immerse yourself in Scripture? What, what other things can you do? Reading and discussing. I'm going to put this up here, Owen. Discussing. Yeah, talk it through. Talk it through. Yeah, what, there's something over here. Guided devotionals, yep. Devotional is, if you're unfamiliar with that word, it's just another, um, it's a word often used to reflect a kind of a, a quiet time, a time spent in God's word, mixing prayer and reading. Yep. What else? Application. Really asking yourself, how do we do, like, what am I going to do with this? When you read the scripture, like, okay, Jesus, how do I act this out? Excellent. So teach someone. Yeah. And, and yet you really do. When you're forced to teach something, you, you dig in deep, don't you? You learn it a lot more. Repetition. Can you say that again? Repetition. 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 Praying the scriptures, thank you. Yeah, great. Um, and you can just pray any scriptures, but uh, the Psalms are a great place to start. They literally were the prayers of God's people, are the prayers of God's people. And um, I'm, it's one of my disciplines for the years, reading five, five Psalms a day. I read two in the morning, one at noon, two at supper. Hardly takes any time at all. Sure helps me stay engaged in scripture throughout the day, I tell you. Wonderful. Ask God questions. This is a beautiful... Yeah, ask God questions as you're going through it. This, this really is... What else? Pardon me? Lectio Divina. Uh, means holy or divine reading. It's just, I think we've done it here sometimes. We'll do it again. It's just a, a way of slowing down. You read through it a few times, slowly, and just let the Holy Spirit lead you through the text. Uh, different images, different words stand, stand out. That's what Lectio Divina means. 
Yes. So don't get hung up on, yeah, forgive yourself when you fail because you will. Uh, have a real attitude and spirit of grace toward yourself um, when you miss something or mess up or forget about it. Just get back on the road and keep going, right? Beautiful. Okay, so lots of ideas here. We want to implement. We want to act on this. The question is, how can we imitate Jesus' growth in our growth? And I want to invite you to take what we've started today, and we'll keep coming back to it. I want to invite you to start working on, Joanne is going to love this, your 252 growth plan. You know why it's 252? Thank you. Luke 252. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Your Luke 252, your 252 growth plan. You've already got a quarter of it done, right? So I invite you to start working on this because we want to engage this. We do do not want to leave it here on the page. We don't want to leave it here in the building. We want to act on this. There are three ways, and I am wrapping up. I promise, aren't you glad that I stuck with one thing? There are three ways we can engage this. I want you to catch this because as you take this into your week, as you take this into your month, I'm going to keep coming back to these three things. The first thing you can do is you can pray this growth. Pray it. As you think about your 252 growth plan, you want to pray it. Just simply ask Jesus, Jesus, how did you grow in wisdom? Jesus, how can I grow in wisdom? Actually pray it. Meditate on it. Reflect on it. Last Sunday after church, later on in the afternoon, I took a long run. And that's the, the question that was running through my mind. As I was running, I was asking Jesus the question, Jesus, how did you grow in wisdom and stature? Because I thought I was going to preach both of them. And I was asking that question. It was a beautiful conversation with Jesus. It was a really meaningful dialogue around Jesus' own growth. So I invite you to pray that first. Ask the question, Jesus, how did you grow in wisdom and how might I grow in wisdom? So first you pray it and then you plan it. You plan the growth. You ask yourself, what am I going to do? What is the concrete thing I'm going to do so that I can begin to immerse myself in Scripture more? What's the specific way that I can do the word so that I am growing in wisdom? Start planning it. Whatever your current practice in Scripture is, some of you are like super hit and miss. There's no shame in that. What's your next step? Is it getting just a regular Bible reading plan a few minutes a day? Great, awesome. Take your next step. That's great. Some of you have got a pretty established plan. What's the next step for you so that you can more deeply immerse yourself in God's story? Wherever we are at, Maybe the next step for you is starting to memorize a passage that you're reading. Maybe some of you, it's just like, okay, we're into this Luke thing. I'm going to read Luke every day. I'm going to read a chapter out of Luke every day, and I'm just going to reflect on it. Great. Awesome. If that's where you're at, terrific. Maybe some of you are just like, well, I'm already reading regularly. Start memorizing a portion of that. Start journaling on it. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm saying that every one of us can ask, how can I more deeply engage God's word so that I am growing more in wisdom? What's your plan? What's your plan? There are just a thousand ways we can do this. What's your plan? And then, of course, the third thing 
is that we actually practice it. And that word practice is such a beautiful word, isn't it? Whoops. Because practice means you're probably going to mess up, right? Anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly first. It's true. You can't learn things without trying and failing and falling down. Those gym fails, aren't they encouraging? Don't they make you want to go to the gym? <laughs> so the, the thing is, is we pray it, we plan it, and we practice it. We experiment. We're apprentices. It's okay. We might fall down. We might make mistakes. Well, that did not work. Or I bit off way more than I can chew. But get your hands dirty. Ask a friend to join you. If we will put this into practice, Jesus makes us a promise. He makes us a promise. Uh, one of the practices I'm doing this, this, this uh, year is I'm uh, immersing myself in, in right now in Luke and I'm memorizing as I go. And so one of the memory verses that I'm working on right now is from Luke 6, 46 to 49. I haven't got it quite nailed, so I'm not going to recite it for you yet. But this, listen to this as we close. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it. Here's the line I want you to pick up. Because it was well built. Because it was well built. Can you say that with me? Because it was well built, right? But, he says, the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, it's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. What is Jesus saying here? If you will take his words and you will put them into practice, you will be one well-built human being. You want to be well-built? It's another word for wisdom, actually. If we will take the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the whole of Scripture, and we will put it into practice, Jesus promises a life well-built, a life growing in wisdom. It's his desire for us. It's his promise to us. Our challenge is to get out there and practice it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord Jesus, you are the wisest human being that ever lived, and we look to you in awe. Wow! The way you could respond, the way that you understood your Father, the way that you taught, the way you opened the Scripture and applied it to our lives, the way you called us to follow, the way you lived and died and rose again. You really are the living word of God and wisdom personified. And we look to you as our ideal. But we're not intimidated by your ideal because Jesus, what's so beautiful for us to remember is that you have offered the most wise life that can be offered to the Father and you did it for us. You stood in our place. And now what's so glorious is that you're inviting us to grow in wisdom with you. And I pray that you would release us from, from, from this weird guilt-shame thing that keeps us from actually getting our hands dirty and moving ahead. Rather, inspire us by your wisdom. Inspire us as we pray through this question, how can we imitate you? 
as we grow in wisdom, as we pray through that, as we plan for that, as we practice it, we just ask for your spirit to lead us and guide us so that we will be a people growing in wisdom. Father, we give you the glory. Jesus, thank you for leading us. Holy Spirit, send us now. May we be growing in wisdom. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.